0: Hello and welcome to the next episode of Lost and Criterion. I'm John Patrick O'Toole Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who regularly acts in front of car headlights.
1: <laughs> I am the Adam Glass, and uh, <clears throat> what that scene reminded me of, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on the podcast before, uh, I grew up going to a lot of haunted houses to mm-hmm. the point where I was sort of desensitized to haunted houses. Yeah. Um, plus, I don't know, it's like... Uh, to me, it's like overtly sexual art too. Anything that's trying too hard to be to evoke a specific emotion, yeah, just causes me to laugh. No, I understand um, that. I think well, that which like, is good for like comedies because any comedy that's trying too hard will also cause me to well, laugh. Well, I think so. that's a,
0: you. You, uh, Adam, are what we call a Midwesterner, and you <laughs> that experience be, extreme that be. discomfort
1: when exposed to extreme emotions. <laughs> Maybe that's that's probably just it. Um, no, but. Uh, <laughs> It's not it's not like a nervous laughter. It's just No, I I but um, I
0: go through, I literally experience the same but thing. Yeah. I go through exactly the same yeah. thing.
1: I just find it I, I something about it finds it <laughs> I find silly. Um anyway, uh so one time I was at a haunted house that is in the uh the old prison in the town where uh yeah. Pat and I met. Um and uh and I got to the second floor. This is the only time I can ever remember being legitimately scared in a haunted house. Uh-huh. Um, and I'm like even a jumpy person too, but, but this, this is the only thing that really got me because of my jumpiness. Uh, hit the top of the stairs in the second floor uh-huh. of the main building. And as soon as I stepped on the second, <laughs> second floor there is the sound of screeching tires and a front car rig zooming down the hallway at me jesus <laughs> it was and it was so unexpected so, because i was on the second floor right
0: and that doesn't make any <laughs> sense so it's like <laughs> right i like you experienced i forget what the name of that film is but you you experienced the real life version of that like sort of uh that hyper sort of mental disjointedness, where you're like, wait, this pos- this <laughs> right, can't right, possibly right. be happening right now.
1: Right, <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah,
0: um, I don't know what you're referencing, but no, like yes, when people that like is that what that happened. old wives' tale about like it's not even an old wives' tale. It's that that um, sort of myth about people freaking out that when the, they showed that video, that movie of the train driving down. Oh the yes, driving. the train. Yes, like, yes Oh my so god! Like people didn't think it was going to yeah. hit
1: them, but like you know, right? F- it's a little it's scary, still unexpected. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I get it. But yeah, that was uh, that's that's me starting today with a weird brag about not being scared of haunted houses. <laughs> Your humble and brag, a story but, but, about when I'm scared. except for a yeah. car, um, a car
0: on a second floor, which is a no, scary it's, concept.
1: It's mostly just that, it's mostly just that haunted houses are not they're not good, they're not fun. Before we get into the movie this week, I do want to talk about our Patreon. Patreon.com slash lost in criterion. Just a dollar a month over there. You can help keep us going and you get access to some low cost bonus content. We'll do a-
0: <laughs> Discount bonus content. You can find it in the back <laughs> of the Walmart, towards the towards the back <laughs> corner, not that far from the milk aisle, where, you know, it all says like fifty yeah. percent off. We haven't been able to get rid of this. Nobody wants this.
1: Pat doesn't know this because he doesn't deal with the Patreon, but that tier, the $1 tier, is literally called low-cost bonus content. Oh, really? Question mark, exclamation point. I can't
0: get... I don't...
1: The only way I can get access is to pay (laughs) myself, which seems ridiculous. Right, right, right. Understood. Uh, Anyway, uh, for that dollar a month, you get access to a bonus episode. It's a non-criterion film. We have a little more fun over there. I put together a list of... uh, Movies usually inspired by a movie we watched on the main podcast or something that's going on in my life or, or the broader world. Like, uh, As of this posting, the most recent bonus episode would be a Ned Beatty-inspired list because Ned Beatty had died just before I made the list. And a thing I did not know this.
0: and was very confused for a little while about why you were really <laughs> obsessing over a Ned Beatty. Like, <laughs> why by, like, why series. I decided, I was like, what is oh, it we got to
1: do Ned Beatty this month. I was like, what?
0: What is wrong with, what's wrong with Adam right now? Yeah. Then I actually anyway, we on ended, the
1: internet. Yeah. We ended up watching Superman the movie out of that uh mostly because we'd already watched uh, Ned Beatty's best work in Network right. for a previous bonus episode. Uh But yeah. Uh so we have a lot of fun over there. We have guests a little more often over there just I mean by percentage-wise just cuz we're only doing one episode a month over there instead of four or five. But uh it's uh, easier to schedule a guest over there. Um But yeah, we have some fun. And just a dollar a month if you want to get involved with that. Uh, One choice on each poll is always Kazam, the 1996 children's movie. Uh, In making the Ned Beatty list, it occurred to me that if I had remembered, I was absolutely obsessed with the Purple People Eater movie that came out in 1988 in which Ned Beatty plays the grandfather Uh and uh, Neil Patrick Harris somehow in playing the One-Eyed, One-Horned, Flying Purple People Eater song from the 60s.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, summons an actual One-Eyed, One-Horned, Flying Purple People Eater alien. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> they deal with the repercussions of that. I vaguely remember com- this thing. Existing, it is a family but, comedy. Yeah. I completely forgot that it existed until I was trying to make the Ned Beatty list. And uh, I just remember watching it so much. I don't know if it was on the Disney Channel a lot or if we had it recorded uh, but I watched it so much and then completely forgot it that it existed uh, so it occurred to me that I'm glad I did because if I had remembered it existed yeah. you know, five years ago it would have been it would have been the dedicated fifth option instead of instead of Kazam and uh, Kazam's a little more fun I think probably but I haven't revisited Purple People Eater so maybe it is more fun and, and I would like it better but uh, it's got Neil Patrick Harris and Ned Beatty so how bad could it be <laughs> Yeah, Uh, in 1988, when Neil Patrick Harris was 10. Uh, Anyway, that's all for uh, the one dollar. You get bonus content. You get all the back catalog of the bonus contents. There's uh, nearly 50 episodes over there now uh, because we've been doing it for a few years. And uh, yeah, lots of lots of fun times over there. Uh, For a little extra, five dollars a month. We like to thank those people on air. So thank you so much to our only five dollar supporter right now, Stephen Goldmire. Thank you. Uh, He's a good friend. It's very kind of him. Uh, But one reason there's only one $5 supporter is that our $10 level is something that I think is really enticing Uh, and it's really fun to do. Uh, At $10 and above, those people get a piece of art. Pat makes it based on one of the movies we watched recently. I get it printed up on a postcard, write a little thank you note, mail it off to those supporters. So you get, you know, bespoke art. You get a little note from me, uh, just something from from each of us. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you get and you get mail. People like getting mail. I like mail. Uh, we also, yeah, we also like to thank those people on air. So thank you so much to our supporters at that level and above. Currently, Chris Otto, Jason Westhaver, Michael McGrath, Patrick Yacco, and Adam Speakerman. Uh, so happy to have you guys on board. Yes, I know you so you've much. been enjoying the art because you tell me you enjoy the art. So That's Pat, nice. they enjoy the art.
0: I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. Uh, I like the fact that the that you know i i i we've I've brought this up a lot on here but i really do it really i don't know how to describe the feeling but like it melts my brain that some that people are <laughs> actively paying yeah. for me to make things that aren't me just talking into a microphone with adam like because i mean truth be told like part of the reason the podcast even exists cuz i just wanted to talk to adam we just wanted to talk to each other right. like on a regular right. basis to just yeah. uh, and so it, it's wild to me that like i can get that we can get paid to do a thing that i otherwise would just not be doing because i don't i mean i do art but like it was always something i just did for for fun on my own uh so it's really wild to me and that speaking of which i have to start working on this month because uh this is one of those months where instead of dumping 36 hours or something ridiculous into it i forgot and now i have like (laughs) this happened it's like it's an alternating thing where like one month i'll just like something eats me up like alive inside and I have yeah. to spend fucking 30 or 40 hours on it. Well, and then the next month my brain's like, you don't need to worry about it. And it's like two days until it's due. And I haven't even like thought about it. It's like, I don't even know what movies were in this month. It's like,
1: well, as I'm of, as of recording time, you still, you still have four days to leave right, which one. is actually so a, kind of a good might thing. A, I might actually be able yeah. to do a decent job on this one. Yeah. I got to pick something. I but. believe in you, Pat. It's always going to be a decent job. You do good. Uh, if you do want to see, uh, samples of past art before you get, uh, too dedicated into giving us ten dollars you can head over to redbubble.com and search for lost in criterion we've got uh all the postcards up there on a three month delay so that our patreon supporters get them and can enjoy them first and then everyone else can see them there or buy back copies if they so desire again that's redbubble.com search for lost in criterion but if you want to support us and get it with the note uh Patreon.com. which is slash the better version bacteria. let's be very clear i it mean of
0: course you could always do both if you want like the one with the note and then you want like a perfectly clean version that hasn't been through the <laughs> nightmare that is the American postal system you, <laughs> that's can, fair. Have, you that's can have you can have both i am uh, yeah <laughs> cool. uh yeah, one that's been ripped in half and then taped back together using like I don't know whatever it's they got use got
1: footprints on it yeah and, like, uh, generally, like some of the damage. ones you
0: sent to me because I at the beginning you were sending me some of them like some of them yeah. have are damaged in just absolutely hilarious ways so I'm like what that's just a thin piece of that's paper good. what did you people do to this thing <laughs> like whole corners so, of it missing it's like well I hope there wasn't anything important up there uh, like the address for where it's going <laughs>
1: right right uh, so Pat, this week we are talking about a Truffaut film. We haven't talked about I a know, Truffaut it feels film like for a long time. Uh, I don't know if we've talked about a Truffaut film. Not since the Danielle series,
0: I assume, like the end of that, right? Uh, I think we had Jules and Jim. Oh yeah. Well,
1: yeah. That's Truffaut, isn't it? That's not. But isn't that part? Some I don't know, man. I. No, it's not part of the <laughs> or it's not part of the the Danielle. Um, I you you can tell me, but I don't know
0: i don't know my brain don't work so good yeah jules and jim yeah we but was that before or after we did because like didn't we watch that whole like the rap of the of the Danielle series at the
1: end we want yeah we watched so the 400 blows was very early right. which is a shame uh, it was like ways, movie two like, it's one of the best movies um, I've well ever I mean, watched, it, and i would like to have a reason so to watch good. it now right 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 um and then uh we had the Danielle series, which was uh, the box set number is one eighty five.
0: Right, but I thought that that one didn't include. For some reason, I thought like the I don't know. I'm losing my mind. It's fine. I think it's probably partially that like for me, like the Danielle series and Jules and Jim sort of just like slammed together in my mind. I was like, well, these are all. Well, it's,
1: the... it's long enough ago that that could happen now. Yeah. Uh, well, that Jules and Jim was two eighty five. We also did shoot the piano player. Uh, his little. Gangster movie at uh three fifteen. Okay. And then uh yeah. And that's been, been the break since... since then.
0: So it's been like yeah. t- almost two hundred episodes or something. Wait, what number are we right. on? Yeah. Something.
1: Uh we're on four sixty two. Right. So, so it has yeah. been uh hundred and fifty. It has been two hundred and uh and seven episodes. Wait, what? Um, I thought
0: you said it was three fifteen.
1: No, you're you're right. I can't do math. Um
0: I was like, wait a minute. Uh, no, I'm usually the one who can't do math in this group,
1: so I'm getting concerned. Yeah, 257, in fact. Uh, yeah, or 157. I still can't do math. We're, d- we're um, in trouble. There we know. go. We, I did
0: it, may- guys. And I, by guys, I mean people who are listening to this. Adam and I have had a very hard time. It's already today. been a
1: yeah. <laughs> it's already been a morning with technical issues. Like, so,
0: it took uh, us like an hour yeah. and 15 minutes to get started, and not because we were chit-chatting, but because like. Apparently, Pat's the entire system is held together with, died. like, fucking, like, shoestring and shit. Yeah.
1: Anyway, that's what you get for buying a, a really fancy, glowy computer. I do have Just, a fancy, uh, glowy computer. Um,
0: I like lights. I think they're really neat. And the amount that it makes me feel cool to have lights on nearly anything, I can't yeah. – I don't know how to explain it. Like, keep in mind, I'm a person who put, like, shitty, like, $15 ground effect lights on his – car in high school like i (laughs) i like lights a lot uh
1: they make me really happy yeah no they're fun uh anyway it it's it's not the lights fault that your computer (laughs) Uh, presumably not i think it is my microphone
0: like yeah some my microphone was conspiring with audacity to destroy the computer
1: as far as i can tell Anyway, this week uh, our Truffaut film is *The Last Metro*. It is from 1980, um, which uh, puts it, you know, late period as far as the Truffaut we've seen. But I think, I think some of the uh, the Don Yell box set was this late, uh, if not sort of. I mean, this is after between the, no, the last two Don Yell films.
0: No, this is after, completely after. Yeah, because Don series is in the late 70s. And then this happens 1980 and it's like, he basically, I don't think I I have to look at the actual like filmography. I don't think you're right. He made like two more films after this and that was it.
1: Like love on the run, which is the last Danielle film is 1979. So the year before this, uh, he did, uh, he did make a a few films. The woman next door and confidentially yours were both, uh, made after this. Um, he wrote some screenplays. Well, after yeah. That. I mean, it's not like uh, I
0: don't I I don't know his entire biography, but I, it's not like he it's not like one of those scenarios that we read about all the time, where he like walked out of the film filming this movie and just killed over dead or <laughs> right, something like right, that. Right, right, but right. But like, right, right. I mean, he did not live very long, and uh, this is very yeah. Closely. He died in eighty four. Yeah, I mean, he so, was only fifty two yeah. apparently, which is really like really sad when you think about. it. I don't know what he died from. I don't. I don't know anything about anything so.
1: Right, uh, right, right. Um yeah,
0: anyway. Well, apparently it was a brain uh, tumor, which is even sadder when you think about it. Like ugh. Like when you think about a creative, that's like just a really hard thing right there to think about, but um yeah, I, I he uh like I mean the the mo- like Wikipedia describes this as like one of his last films that sort of finally brought him back into the international kind of brought him back, you know what I mean? Like uh right. won him awards and stuff. They say that, but then like all the other ones, like seventy three, seventy five, seventy six, seventy seven, seventy eight, seventy nine, pretty much were all nominated for various awards. So I don't know exactly what yeah, Wikipedia well, this, is talking about.
1: This one this won ten Caesar Awards, which is the right, French yeah, the French Academy right. Awards. I mean it yes, it so, actually
0: won them instead of was nominated, which is which <laughs> right, is meaningful. Right. I understand that. It's just it's it, it was, makes it the way the Wikipedia is phrased though, it makes it sound like Truffaut, after slipping into obscurity and, like, living, you know what I mean? Like, it's, like, one of those, like, bad documentaries, like, Truffaut was living in a one room, like, in a, in a uh, like, you know what I mean? Like, the way they brought him back it wasn't into the that, limelight certainly. It's like, oh, he was living in the studio apartment above a, of a, above a tannery that was also a brothel. And then, you know, like, whatever, like, the worst thing a, a documentary could come up with to, like, characterize somebody as being, like, down and out, right? And then yeah. and then like he came and then he leapt back into limelight. And it's like, I mean, no. I mean the man was nominated for an award basically every year throughout the seventies.
1: Yeah. It uh it did lose the foreign language Oscar to Moscow Does Not Believe in Tears. I don't know what that means. Uh,
0: I've never heard of that movie.
1: I've never heard of that movie either. <laughs> it's like it was, I feel like uh, out of the Soviet Union in nineteen eighty. Uh the Hungarian film Confidence, uh uh Kajamusha uh, was the Japanese entry that year and a Spanish film called the nest. Um, I have not heard of any of those except for Kajimusha (laughs) and the last Metro. So, uh, but yeah, uh, but it was nominated for the Oscar and I was also nominated for the global uh, golden globe that year, but it did not win either. It swept the Caesars, (laughs) but it did not win, uh, any of the international awards. It was, uh, nominated the American awards. It was nominated for, um, this is a uh, a culmination of things that Truffaut had been thinking about for a very, very long time. Uh-huh. Uh, he talks about how in 1958, while writing The 400 Blows with Marcel Mousy, he regretted that it wasn't a period piece, so he couldn't bring in aspects of his childhood, because right. he was a kid during the occupation. Right, right. Uh, so... Uh, he he talks about, you know, thinking about doing things like that throughout his career, uh, but it never working because he wasn't doing period films. Right. Uh, says you know, Jules and Jim is sort of the exception to that, but I don't remember Jules and Jim being a I don't really think Jules and Jim is a period either.
0: piece, is it? Like, unless it's a period piece in the sense of like, well, I said
1: it 10 <laughs> years ago, like, or five yeah. years ago. <laughs> I don't I don't know. I don't remember. I mean, it certainly doesn't happen during the War Oh, set around the time
0: of World War I?
1: Oh, yeah. Jules and Jim is like early 20th century. It it? just doesn't really feel. Okay. I got to go look at
0: pictures of Jules and Jim now because, like, I do not remember it. I think you're, you might be confusing
1: it with Band Apart.
0: I probably am, Mm -hmm. but, you know, I'm broken. Um, Wait, yeah. Where they're (laughs) running through the,
1: like. No, that's Band Apart. Oh, my God. (laughs) My
0: brain is so broken.
1: I can't, I can't.
0: I can't like I'm looking yeah. at pictures of Jules and Jim and my brain can't not make it band apart. Like I can't <laughs> not do that. I'm realizing I don't remember this movie. I remember band apart and like I, and that's, that's what's happened now. We should not have tried to watch 450 some <laughs> odd movies. Uh, was uh, the, running, the, the running, the running
1: scene in Jules idea. and Jim, they're running, they do run through Paris and like across this like caged-in bridge, yeah. I think, is, uh, is maybe where you're You thinking. can tell me but, that's not but, the Louvre, but I think it's the Louvre. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, I've never been to the Louvre, too. so it might as well same, be the Louvre. Same,
0: Uh You know. Uh, yeah, I, okay, I vaguely, yeah. I guess it's because it doesn't feel like you and I probably just sort of mentally don't know the, um, we don't know the sort of maybe Chosen Jim is the
1: running through maybe I'm confusing I'm them. So and you're confused. you're actually smart here.
0: No, I don't see him running through the loop. I only see the cage. So like this caged bridge. But like my issue is is I think my I think my issue is that you and I lack the sort of we're too far away in both time and culture that you and I can't just see cultural signifiers of World War pre world like around World War One Europe and then like unless it's like heavy handed recognizes as, as that as the time does that make sense like right. you and i are used to american films about world war 1 where they're like here's a here's a can of spackle and a and a and a and, a, and a spackle is <laughs> just laying on real thick so everybody knows when and where this is whereas the audience this was intended for probably could recognize things that we didn't like i mean i'm looking at the yeah. costumes and like they are some of them are obviously like, oh, like kind of that that time period, but then a lot of them like I'm sorry, but like pants and striped shirt do not do not automatically indicate World
1: War One to me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, here's uh here's here's one big difference. Yes. Uh, uh the running scene in Jules and Jim, uh, uh the woman is wearing pants slacks whereas yeah. in in band apart she is wearing a dress oh and both men have hats in jewels of gym and only one of them has a hat in we've done it uh, band apart guys we've done it we've got it we've got, we've got it. it we've got it under control finally... now
0: uh yeah i just like the idea that that part of this podcast is us slowly amalgamating all film like sort of accidentally <laughs> right? prior like into one just giant ball of film that we can't piece apart anymore
1: yeah um that's basically it yeah uh so to get back to Truffaut he had wanted you know he regretted 400 blows not being a period piece so he couldn't work into it uh Jules and Jim is a period piece for World War One, and you know so that doesn't really solve his problem anyway uh so in 68 he started thinking about doing it again while he's doing uh Stolen Kisses. He again thought about revisiting, but then in sixty eight, uh, Marcel O'Fool's The Sorrow and the Pity, which sort of uh, it does sort of what the opening of this film does, uh, cuts documentary footage with with uh, recreations. I think in interviews, maybe maybe I've never seen The Sorrow and the Pity. I'm just reading. No, neither. Honestly, I'm just, I'm just reading it. Truffaut's recollection of, of that movie right now. So. uh but it's uh it's about the occupation but not a lot of french films deal directly with it and there's you know i think there's there's reason for that yeah i mean we've talked uh, about this in other movies this sort of like possible talked, sort of
0: like shared trauma where like nobody really really wants to like engage right. with that
1: that much shared trauma and and also the fact that there's just that that national shame of you know, there's there's a ton of people who did what they needed to do to survive, and unfortunately, some of that was pretty dark right. and yeah, bad I mean, stuff. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Like we, you know, this uh, movie does deal with like people sending out. The, we we've talked about this before. With uh, I forget what the name of that other movie was, but the the like anonymous letters turning in your neighbors thing. Oh yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And just uh, this, the yeah, uh,
1: a lot of really bad shit. Le Corbu. The Raven. Yeah. Yeah. Phenomenal movie, too. But but yes. So, you know, and we get this is kind of insular. It's also a period piece about theater, which is something else Truffaut was interested in doing because um, Truffaut didn't, unlike a lot of our our other directors, great directors we've talked about, Truffaut didn't really make a distinction between theater and movies. From what I've read, um, you know, he sort of showed viewed them both as doing the same sorts of things in a much closer way than a lot of other directors seem to have. In saying that, I think particularly of, like, Bresson, who wanted to uh, strip away the artifice of theater that he saw still existing right, in right. film. Right, But, I mean, like, right.
0: in that way, like, we, we talk about, like, we kind of, like, end up sort of lumping all these people together, but, like, Bresson is much much more generally transgressive <laughs> right, right, than, like, right, other right. The other directors that we've talked about. Like, he... Really wants to make Isn't movies it, that are like so, wildly
1: different than normal so movies. It's so true, but also just so weird to think about Preston being transgressive. Right. 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 <laughs> yeah. It, but yes, yeah. You're, I think you're accurate to use that word. Uh, but yeah, um, because he is transgressing norms. Yeah. I mean, he um, wants to
0: break film, like, and like really yeah. hard. Like, he wants to make things <laughs> that like other people at, like go, but is that really a movie? Kind of thing. You know, like. <laughs>
1: And that's is it cool. not that's just fine. a collection of sad images? Did you, right, right. Did is you that, not just, isn't that what did you you just, just not in? bottle
0: <laughs> shame and sadness into a film or into, into a visual art form and send it to me? Is that what you did? <laughs>
1: yeah. Um Anyway, so all of that. Um this is also uh sort of follows a film that uh, that he did called Oh, goodness. <laughs> I
0: don't know. I, I just, don't know where you're going with this. I am
1: bad at all names uh, today.
0: Love on the Run? No. What uh, What are we talking about no, here? I'm getting no.
1: so confused. Um,
0: I don't know what you're talking about.
1: So he also had just previously made a film, uh, Day for Night, in 1973. Okay. Which, uh, uh, I, I was like- t- Took a look at the film industry in particular, and Day for Night being the American term for the, the filter that you put on- Yeah yeah so that you can shoot you can shoot night scenes during daytime, yeah um so there was that, and you know that's not really a period piece either, I don't think well I but, mean, uh, yeah
0: I, you know it, it, it seems like it's one of these wild things. it's really like whenever you read or hear a director say something like that, especially somebody who you know Truffaut is w- well regarded and like probably like I wonder how much he could sort of just choose what he wanted to work on at any given time. It's always, because I, I, I don't know, but, like, it's always fascinating to me. It's like, well, I always wanted to make X, and it's like, but, like, you just couldn't? Right. Because, like, it sort right. of just seems like you're just making whatever the fuck you want
1: anyway. Like, not yeah. to be mean, just, but, like. Just you just stupid. finished four movies about the adult version of the character from the right. 400 Four Blooms. movies
0: that per- get progressively less fun to watch. As we go, to, right, like, right, and it's like, wait a The one like, thing I
1: remember about that box, yeah, set. me too. Yes. It's just
0: by the time you get to the last one, you're like, God, this is not good. Well, there's a reason why that last <laughs> one wasn't even nominated for anything, right? Not right. good, um, but like the thing about it is, like, yeah, he says things like, I think it was, is that actually, no, maybe that isn't actually part of the the one that wasn't nominated, wasn't part of the series maybe i'm getting confused i don't know no i don't think it was sorry wasn't they were all nominated it just they just got progressively worse as far as i'm concerned but um (laughs) no i mean like it seems like and not to like like rag on them or anything like it's fine like you you couldn't come up with an idea that worked or whatever right but i will say this i think trafo missed his true calling what do you mean i like trafo doing like this weird period piece. Like it's one of the more fun things I've had that we've watched. Like, again, the other Truffaut films were so long ago. Okay. So like, I can be totally talking out of my ass, but I think that like when we were, I think my memory is that when we got into Truffaut, trying to talk about relationships, like not having relationship in the film, but like actually trying to engage with the concept of the relationships between men and women. Yeah. He didn't do what I would consider a great job.
1: Yeah, well, I did not you know, like his what we've seen of it. Jules and Jim and uh, the the Don the Darnia Right, but films. like that's a and, fair no.
0: number of films. That's like six films or something right. like that. Right, And like, right. Right. I my my takeaway with it was that I was not a huge fan of the way that Trevor seemed, at a core level, to understand how male female relationships work. Yeah. Like, and I think that like we talked about that with especially that box set because we continue to watch him progress through what he saw as the sort of the progression of a relationship, and it felt more and more uncomfortable and weird to me at least as it went along. Again, that was a hundred and fifty movies ago. I can be <laughs> right, totally right, right. wrong. I just remember a vague sense of being like, "Man, like Truffaut, I do not agree with your ideas at all." Here, on the other hand, Truffaut making a kind of weird period piece that is like half serious, half comedy, works pretty fucking good. Pretty good at it. And the
1: ensemble cast and uh, you know, and just the the trying to get a a fairly broad swath of the sorts of experiences people had during. Right. Still within the small window of theater. But uh, hitting a, a watch slot of the sorts of experiences people had during occupation, right. it's very—it's a very interesting movie. Yeah, I mean, it takes—it uh, it does
0: paint—it paints a very broad picture. Like, there's there's a right. a lot in here for a movie that's not. I mean, it's two hours, but it's not like there's a lot. It, it's a dense film. <laughs> like, there's a lot in right. it.
1: And obviously, obviously, you know, we've got. I call it an ensemble, but we do focus primarily on uh, Depardieu and, uh, and Catherine Deneuve, uh, Deneuve's uh or Deneuve And really Day's more on character. her than on him. Like, I mean, yeah. he becomes more because central it is, as
0: it progresses, but, like, she's right. the main character, straight up. Like, and right. nobody is right. nearly as important as she is, and she does an amazing it's, job of it.
1: Right. But. right, and it's, you know, it's Marion's story because it's the story of the theater, right. and she's... You know the the backbone of the theater of this particular theater too, with her husband in hiding in the basement and, uh, you know her going through this emotional turmoil of of you know, she still very much loves her husband obviously. Uh, Bernard's reading of the situation, uh, in that in that penultimate scene in his dressing room as he packs up, is not accurate. No, right? no, it's not. And she says he's wrong. I, um, I mean, and, and she says it right. Go ahead, sorry. But she also, you know, she is in love with him and she didn't pursue things because he thought or she thought that he wasn't in love with her. But he she thought you know, he only thought that because she was cold to him because she didn't want to act on the feelings she had. Um, right. So it's it's just, you know, it's very complicated. And obviously they lay it all out in that scene and then they have sex, which right. is um, <laughs> maybe a weird choice. But also it's just this. I, I do feel like everything said in that scene justifies what we had seen previously, but at the same time, them being a couple really does kind of come out of nowhere after Lucas accuses them of being a
0: couple. Yeah, I mean, I like... I think that's one of the—if we're talking about the purely the relationships of people in the film, that's probably the biggest misstep in my mind because— I think the drama of the movie is much more sort of intriguing and interesting if she even at that point is like no 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 I'm not doing this you know what right, I mean like right I like I have what I want and then I have what like I don't know like it's just more interesting that way like giving in there kind of like sort of def- sort of like pulls the suspense the of the relationships of the film like way back down and like back down to like basically zero. And yeah. and then the movie doesn't have enough time to like build up anything at that point. It's like, well, the the, right. the relationship right. plot line is finished now.
1: Yeah, that's actually uh, really interesting to the fact that one of the bonus features of this this is a two hour and twelve minute movie, and one of the bonus features is a five minute additional scene uh, that uh, that even like I don't know if you watched it, but I didn't. I forgot at least existed. half of it at least half of it actually exists in the film. It's just, it's an cut of uh, Valentine, the guy who drops off the screenplay for her earlier. Uh-huh. He comes and meets Marion in her office and explains that uh, he wrote the screenplay, which is uh, Angels of Mercy, the movie that the, uh, the other actress ends up starring in, in the postscript. Right. Uh, he wrote the lead character in Angels of Mercy, particularly with Marion in mind. And it will be his final film because his doctor has informed him that he is going to die within six months. Um, Okay. So it's, it's, you know, what it does is it sets up a little more so that uh, uh, Nadine being the star of a movie called Angels of Mercy in that postscript has a little more oomph because she is... She's not just taking any work. She is taking something that was particularly written for Marion at that point. That oh, yeah, had I refused. see what you mean. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so I think it, it adds a little more heft to to that. Um, and, you know, it talks, it it does a, a weird thing of seeing someone who is dying in a very normal way during occupation. I think it's right. maybe Which interesting is the to, that's missing, maybe to the film. Which is the thing missing yeah. from this, yeah. Yeah. Uh, not that anyone really dies, period, in the movie, but... Uh, well, certainly but,
0: yeah. not. I mean, we do know at least a person who dies in the film, but it's a pretty <laughs> non-important, non-import- not not-important character, so...
1: Yeah. Um, well, you know, th- that's the other thing. This is a movie that is very long, mm-hmm. but... I don't know. I could have done with a half hour of that postscript instead of yeah. a where-are-they-now ending. Me too.
0: Although, I... I <laughs> Here's what I will say. I'm of of mixed opinions for a really weird reason, which is, I agree, the movie could have just been a little bit longer. I think a little bit more after the war's over sort of stuff would have been really interesting. But I also am just delighted by the idea of Truffaut deciding he needed to have an Animal House ending to the movie. Right, Uh, right, right. Animal House slash bad American soap opera ending where it's like... Yeah, Where, Or, I mean, I guess the Blues Brothers, too, but like let's not get into that. My point is it's very much indicative of a very certain period of time in American filmmaking. Uh,
1: right. And then... And it's and it's super interesting that Animal House came out in 78. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. and, that, and like, that this might specific. actually be an Animal House reference.
0: Like, I don't... I, yeah, exactly. Very true. Like, I, I... Now, whatever about... Animal House is a terrible movie. Let's, like... Let's, yeah. For lots of reasons. <laughs> but, like... And, like, so I very and as much as I love Blues Brothers, it's also just, I I can qualify, like, pretty definitively say, a piece of American filmmaking of trash American filmmaking in a lot (laughs) of ways. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I love Blues Brothers, don't get me wrong, but like, still very much fits into the the moniker of trash film, right? Um, And the, like, it's just such a weird choice for Travaux. And then also the way that like, they do the like, the, I don't know how to describe it, but that thing that's very, like, so American soap opera and, like, really very much movies of this era where, like, where they do the thing where, like, it's a freeze frame of the film and then the person's head's encircled and they've got the name. You know what I mean? That's yeah. just such a, again, like, very much fits into a, a type of American film that is not what I would call the apex of art. Right. Uh, and the, I have such a uh, fondness in my heart for that, for movies that in that way because they're, like, I don't know. They they do something to me because it's like, I remember watching these on USA at three o'clock in the afternoon when I was homesick, kind of thing, type of movies, yeah. you know, or or something like that. And like, but then just to see it in a truffaut film, it's like, what's happening right now? Are we gonna find out <laughs> that one of these guys became a senator and like, yeah, after clearly <laughs> that, committing uh... some sort of sexual assault.
1: That free same stuff is kind of interesting too because one of the bonus features is talking to the cinematographer, who is Nestor Almendros, who we have seen a lot from before. He shot Days of uh, Days of Heaven, right, uh, for uh, uh, Malick uh, two years prior to this. Um, uh, but he shot. Well, he no, I shot mean Coco I remember. Like, I don't remember. Gorilla, I couldn't yes. name all this films. But um, I remember us like right. talking about
0: This guy is the is the filmmaker cinematographer. <laughs>
1: Right, right, right. He did. He did Schroeder stuff. He did. He did stuff for everybody. Um, and you know he did some of the other Danielle films too. Right. And he did Claire's Knee. And you know he's right. He's everywhere. Yeah. Um, but one of the bonus features is talking to him about <laughs> uh, weird About the film. This, these
0: choices. I hope. <laughs>
1: the, and about some of those choices that Truffaut did, and how Truffaut would be fine with, uh sort of messing with film, with the film physically in a way that Nestor, uh, (laughs) call him Nestor, Alamendros, in a way that Alamendros said was a bad choice and then says, of course, uh, I was wrong. He was right. No one noticed. But things like doing freeze frames or uh, where he talks about one shot not in this movie, but another Truffaut film where it's a matching shot of a conversation. But the man's side of the conversation, uh, it's a man and woman talking, and the man's side, there was a lamp in the the frame. And Truffaut decided post-production that he didn't want, or during editing, that he didn't want the lamp in the screen in the scene. So he recut, physically recut, uh, each frame to take the lamp out. And what that meant was you had to expand the rest of the to fill the frame, right. and it made it a little grainier, and it made it so it wasn't exactly balanced. And uh, Alamendros is saying, and and I thought it was terrible. And Truffaut was right; no one noticed. <laughs> um, and, and like, I don't think that's true. Alamandros, no, I mean, I, think, I mean, he's. <laughs> I think people definitely noticed. One of the <laughs> things
0: that makes it seems like makes Almendros a, a good cinematographer is that like. When the day is done, he's like, Yeah, you were, it was fine. Like, you did it. It was fine. Right. Like, right. Like, was it though? It probably wasn't. You were definitely right. No. You are the, the one who is actually the professional at shooting film. Right, right. And like the and actual physical work of making um, film be on film.
1: Yeah. Another interesting aspect with the Elementor stuff, now that I'm on it, is that uh, he talks about how, like, some of the basement scenes, you know, they used they used period lighting and the lighting on screen is like atrocious. Yeah, but it's also what they were using. So like all those candlelit right, scenes right, are yeah. are just lit with candles. Right, which is and, yeah. rough. Yeah, yeah, sometimes. I think it works really well in some of the basement It does, and, it does. And it's and just others, that, like so the
0: greeniness kicks up to like a thousand percent. Right, right, boy, right, right. The, what ISO were you Like, holy shit, this is like, yeah. like I can see individual like particles of light at this point. This is ridiculous.
1: <laughs> right. Right. But yeah, so all of that to say is that Truffaut doing those sort of freeze frames are another thing that Almendros talks about how uh there was a scene in something else where the character looks up and pauses but doesn't pause as long as Truffaut wanted him to. But it wasn't something that Truffaut noticed until he was editing. So like he just he just froze and that like, image. Let's be very for clear. Here. Five Elementros extra frames is right. Because <laughs> and Elementros is right about like, that too. There's a
0: reason like. why people stop using fake freeze frames like that <laughs> when they're in like junior high school trying to make a movie, <laughs> because every human eye can see like, wait a minute, this shit's not moving anymore, like yeah. at all. Yeah. Uh, and it's really um, upsetting. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, that's a fucking picture. What's going on here?
1: Some behind the things things with Alamandros. We talked about in in Days of Heaven. We talked about how Alamandros was going blind at the time. Right. Uh, he was he was certainly legally blind by this time. He had contact lenses that he lost at one point during production here. Uh, so they talk, there was a behind the scenes thing talking about everyone looking for oh Alamandros God. contact lenses, and another where uh, where he would every day. I think it was in the playset. He'd like walk up one set of stairs, say hello to to cast and crew, and then walk down the next set of stairs. Uh, but uh, the stairs had moved; the second set of stairs had moved, oh my God. and he just walked off the edge of the stage uh, and fell into a big pile of lights. According to oh my God. whoever was telling the story, uh, and and fortunately was not was not hurt <laughs> badly, but but anyway. Um, all that to say, you know, Truffaut's sort of freeze frame thing at the end is is a little a little weird and like it could be a little longer like Right. I mean, let's uh, be very
0: clear here. Like I my fondness for it is not based on it being a
1: good thing as much as I think right. I have an extreme level of nostalgia for. Right, right. I think the the one that gets sort of most animal housey is is Jean Loops. Um where where the uh, the narration says, uh, you know, the resistance dragged him out of bed in his pajamas to arrest him, right? And he was freed because of, right. he was freed because, because of his connections, connections. Yeah. and then later that day was arrested because of his connections. Right. It's just a hilarious, hilarious. That's no, very
0: good. Like the writing on this movie, like for yeah. mo- is the the wit of it is very sharp. Like <laughs> right, the movie right, is right, right. quite funny for 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 the time period that it's meant to be set in and everything like that. <laughs> I mean, I will say that it it suffers from the it does suffer. The movie in general suffers just a little bit from the problem you do run into when you try to do something like this, which is it never makes the when you try to make like I get it. And like other directors have done this before and it always has this little bit of a tinge when you're watching it in your head where you're like, yeah, but the Nazis were real, real bad. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. in the back of your head, you're like, this is a very enjoyable thing to watch, and I'm really liking this, but, like, boy, like, it's almost impossible to not, at the same time, be thinking at your same time, like, there are just people being murdered all over the place right now while this is going on.
1: Right. Yeah. Well, you know, and this is this is a movie about people who know that Yeah. and are still trying to live their life... Not ignoring that because you know Bernard certainly doesn't ignore no, that. No, absolutely right? not. He steals, and he's one of the better. He steals kids. a record player from the theater right, and turns it into a bomb to kill a Nazi official.
0: Right. No. So, and so like, what I'm saying is, is not that the this movie does a decent job of acknowledging a lot of that, like, yeah. like verbally, like with the actual like writing of the movie. But because the tone is is inherently a little bit lighthearted still throughout a lot of parts of it. It does get you this just a little bit of a like cognitive dissonance thing going on. This doesn't like ruin the movie. Like, the movie's really great to watch. I really like this movie a lot. It's just that, like, I, I, it's probably more of a me thing than a movie thing where it's like I can't stop thinking at the same time. Like, like, and, and then pro, and in many ways, I imagine it's what, you know, Truffaut wants you to be going through, right? Like, is like, Right, he wants you to experience this cognitive diff- dissidence of like, yeah, these people. The show must go on, but also like, this is literal hell. Like, I mean, right. The show and, must go you know, on in hell.
1: Like, I don't we've know. seen we've seen movies like, uh, like *The Communion*, um, uh, and uh, and even uh, *Au Revoir Les Enfants* to a to a certain, uh, to a different take on that, but you know. Um uh <laughs> work by the same director, both those movies. But you know, the Come Nuchen is about a collaborator, you know, right. small town young guy, and we follow him. Uh and you know, this is there are collaborators in this movie, mm-hmm. uh, but we we are primarily focused on French people. we are primarily focused on French people who are living in Paris and trying to deal. right? right? And, you know, sometimes trying to deal means quitting your day job and becoming an active member of the resistance. Sometimes trying to deal means hiding your husband and just (coughs) uh, trying to keep your head low otherwise. And sometimes having a deal is I'm going to bury myself in so much work. That I'm going to come out ahead, no matter how this ends right <laughs> um, right and and Nadine takes any job that's offered to her multiple jobs a day right, right. Uh, which it, it is kind people... of
0: shocking that Nadine is not like later branded a like uh
1: yeah you know, right know what I mean right. Like, it
0: is kind of a fascinating thing in the movie that it doesn't talk about the fact that like if Nadine was actively taking germ like Nazi propaganda films, which I guess maybe she right. wasn't, if, but it if seemed if... like
1: she might be. Like, you know what, I mean? what is she dubbing if not that? Right. It's like, know. boy,
0: I feel like maybe Nadine would be in a bit of trouble when this was all over, but um seems like she got through it because maybe, like, she wasn't on camera or whatever. But um, right, right. Yeah, no, I I like. I totally, and I agree. Like, I, again, I, I agree with all the premises that are going on. It's just that, for me, I think it's probably, like, I have trouble with that kind of cognitive dissonance, like, that yeah. Like he's trying to generate, where it's like I can't, like, Tonally map the two tones at the same time. And like, so like in my head, they just, they, like, I have to keep, like, instead of like having them both, I'm just alternating between them. And so it like, it comes off when I, when I take it in summation at the end, I'm like, boy, she wasn't all that concerned about her husband. <laughs> like, I know she was. Like, don't get me wrong. <laughs> she, she, but she super she, was. Right. But because <laughs> of the way, like, the tone, like, for me personally, yeah. the tone keeps sort of mentally flip flopping back and forth. It feels like at the end when I take it in whole, I'm like, boy, like, I feel like she should have, like, I don't know how to explain. It's very hard to explain. And it is letter, literally definitely a me problem of, like, not being right. able to put, like, to cognitively keep two different, like, tonal things in my head at the same time. And, like, so at the end, I'm, you know, I have to choose one for the film, basically. And especially with the ending, I end up going for the one that feels closest to Animal House. <laughs> like, It's like... I don't know. It's I'm just broken. It's me. But in the end, I'm I, I have trouble watching films that work this way, as it turns out. Uh and not because they're bad, but because I can't do it. Uh but I did like it a lot. I liked a lot of I liked a yeah. lot of what happens in this movie.
1: I think I think one big change from Jules and Jim that we definitely hated was that Jules and Jim suggests that this uh polyamory uh polymory However, yeah, however, I meant to say that word. I, I believe it is polyamory, uh, but yes, yeah, polyamory that exists between the the main characters, Angels and Jim, uh, ends in tragedy. Ends with with what uh, with Catherine. I think drives her and uh, right. It is her the th- th- one of the Jim things we definitely talked bridge. about. Me absolutely yeah. fucking hating about that movie. Oh yeah, absolutely terrible. Whereas whereas this sort of you know as as sort of poorly shoehorned in. That love triangle is in the last right last half hour of the movie. Uh, it also deals with it in an interesting way because the play, the play that Lucas wrote while it stuck in the basement through occupation for eight hundred plus days, is uh, it stars his wife and the person he believes to be his wife's lover, right? And then and then the end of the film is, you know. I really like the way it's done, where it's it appears to be her actually visiting Bernard in hospital, right, right. and then it, does, it becomes, yeah. it it fades from from reality to stage in such an interesting way. Oh yeah, no, it's um, it's
0: it is one of the more lovely things in this film. I I yeah. I want I meant to go watch it again <laughs> and figure out exactly yeah. what point it switches because <laughs> I I you I noticed it. Sort of organically, right? Like whenever I noticed yeah. it is whenever I noticed it, right? Like it wasn't like necessary exactly when it happened. I'm like, wait a minute, the people in the background I noticed, of this are fake. This is a painting.
1: I I noticed it because there is uh, there is an audio difference once they oh, switch to the okay, stage. Oh, knows that. Um, but uh, but there's a cut to two nurses looking at them, and then it cuts back to the two of them. And, and that's it, you uh, think? And that's, that's where it changes. Right, like, I mean, the um, thing for
0: me was the fact that, like, the people in the window are now paintings of people, and I'm like, oh, right, okay, right, well, right. like, obviously I
1: know what's happening. And right. you don't notice that at first when it switches back, certainly. Uh, but, you know, from that we get, uh, you know, Bernard invites Lucas out on stage for that curtain call. And then, uh, and then... uh uh <laughs> Marion steps between the two of them and holds both their hands to take the bat. Right, uh, and something that like in ending like that would have made me like Jules and Jim a heck of a lot more. Yeah, absolutely, certainly. me too. I mean, right. like
0: it it, it 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 is a choice to be significantly less cynical about human relationships than. Yeah. and and keep in mind that like Jules and Jim is part of a thing that I think you and I noticed about Truffaut in general about this sort of deep, deep pessimism about the way that men and women interact.
1: Right, right, Like, right. Jules and Jim and is it's,
0: early, but, like, the whole Danielle series, also, I remember being
1: like that. Yeah. Like... And it's weird that we felt that way with the Danielle series, and then this is made immediately after the final Danielle film. Right. And feels so totally and utterly different. Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
0: and this is, this is, I mean, like, maybe we're like, maybe you and I are the naive ones, I don't know, but, like, for me I this is what I I want to see this sort of like at least like given the possibility of like positive outcomes existing. Uh right. And that, but this movie also seems to focus very heavily on the idea of like this hell can have a positive outcome. Like Yeah. I mean, is and it I probably really... a little naive? <laughs> Absolutely. But like
1: Yeah. But I like how how fleshed out the world is in that regard yeah. too. Like Arietta, the 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 costume designer, who uh, you know, we open with Bernard hitting on her in the street, and she's just not interested. And then he he asks for her phone number, and she gives him the time and weather number, right? Which is it's it's good, uh, and uh, which he recognizes and calls her out on, and then she leaves anyway, uh, and then he you know ironically runs into her at the theater and of course uh but she you know we get the reveal about halfway through the movie that she's not interested with in him because she's not interested in men period right and everything he set up to that she set up to that point is is that but we don't understand it as that she is a lesbian and we see her well Uh, Right. I mean, making out with Nadine in the right. I mean, the only and she talks about how she has a crush on Marion and it's unremittent, but she still has you know this fulfilling thing with Nadine that also comes back in the postscript too, right? Because she's working with Nadine still on the movie. My only, I guess, my only, and this is a this is a quibble,
0: like a minor complaint, relatively speaking, in the grand scheme of things. It is, it does suck in my head that like oh. The, it, someone somewhere somehow there's the way you can do this where like the, ma- like, well, I mean, otherwise she would have wanted to sleep with him. He's irresistible except for like, you know, she's a lesbian. Well, he so. is,
1: he is J.R. Depardieu, man. He I is mean, irresistible, I'm right? just saying so, to the French in 1980. Yeah. But like, for but, some but reason, you know
0: what I mean, right? This, like this but, guy yes. who's like walking around, like just hitting on every woman he meets is like, I mean, he's irresistible. I mean, she'd have to be a lesbian, right? Like, Kind of right, I, like I kind of but also liked her as just like not going to put up with any of his shit. Like it was, she was fun right, that way right. too. Of like, no man, I this is this is not going to work. Like, it your would have worked if she work. weren't
1: a lesbian. Like it's okay because... this way too.
0: It's fun. It's what's nice about this way is that like what they do in this movie that is interesting is Truffaut keeps upping the stakes because more we keep finding out every single person here <laughs> would be somebody the Nazis might want to murder. Right. Like there's not a single soul in here that the Nazis wouldn't want to murder, like they're all and surviving, John... they're all getting through it. But right. every single one of this these people, and then like what that does, and what Truffaut is opening up there is like, oh, this ideology doesn't have anybody they don't want to murder,
1: right? Right. Like in the and end, even... this is
0: an ideology of murder. Everybody yeah. here needs to be murdered. Like it, it you know what right. I mean? Like, and and so what that does, I think it's really interesting. Truffaut's doing is painting a picture where like this there is no limit to this evil it, 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 it every single person in this room is something that they wouldn't like and they're just normal people living their normal life it, it, it's a really interesting right like thing to be doing in the film and I really do like that part of it
1: right uh, and even John Loop is uh, is also implied to be gay
0: right uh, exactly in, like they parts just of the movie. yeah
1: and like he's the one he's the one who by nature of his job has to be treading the line more right right he's got to he's got to keep the place funded and open and make sure they get good reviews in the papers even though the guy who's writing the review in the paper is a raging anti-semite who hates everything about the theater because it was owned by a Jewish man right right and um,
0: presumably this person who is a raging anti-semite would also like w- very willingly like turn in and have a gay man murdered Like absolutely right, like you, absolutely like we don't know, but like I mean, come on,
1: (laughs) like. Well, I mean, there's that scene where he goes to meet Daxiat at uh, at the press at the 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 printing place for the paper, right? That that kind of plays like he showed up not thinking this was a business meeting, right? Um, I think there's some some subtle stuff there i don't know maybe i mean you Uh, could be
0: right like i mean there's Trevorrow does do a lot of subtle stuff in this movie and i feel like this is one of those movies that like probably despite being a kind of straightforward story would benefit from from a a second watching because there's a lot of moving pieces on the screen at any given time there's a lot of characters and they're all they're they all kind of interweave into the story in a way that like you know there's definitely possible to miss things
1: i think yeah that's a another interesting aspect of the of the cut scene is that as valentine walks through the theater he basically interacts with every single one of them oh um, interesting okay and it's, so Trevor's intercom-
0: really leaning into like bad
1: american uh, filmmaking <laughs> slash tv making there huh well you know it's just the nature of him coming through like uh, you know, Raymond opens the door and then, you know, the old woman is there as they walk through and he passes right. by. But like, that feels like, a like sitcom I said, thing. some of that, that feels
0: like a, an American yeah.
1: sitcom thing. Like it's just, it's just that it's a very small room right. is what it is. Pat. But, but you know, it, and it's, it's that part where, uh, like I said, like half of that scene is actually in the movie anyway, uh, because it's the part where Bernard tries to get Arietta to, uh, To come to his dressing room to practice lines with him. Okay. Um, And then, you know, he goes upstairs and he finds uh, the black market woman who, you know, people thought was Raymond's girlfriend. uh, That he has that big breakdown of, of, yeah, I wanted... I was happy that people thought she was my girlfriend because people don't think that I'm a real person. Right. (laughs) Because I'm, you know, they they had that big breakdown about, you know, them making fat jokes about him earlier, too. Which I thought was, you know, that's another... Interesting aspect is the humanization of everybody. Right. Like, I mean and I think that goes hand in hand with what I was
0: talking about before is like yeah. part of making you understand that like everybody here is at is at risk and is is somebody who would be murdered. A, a part of that is also understanding that everyone here is also very much a person. And I think Trevor right. does a really good job of that. Right.
1: No, absolutely. I mean, obviously absolutely. there are some and ones I, that
0: are like harder because there's a couple of characters we don't meet very much. Uh, like, we don't meet them right. very much. So he tries to jam a lot of human into a very tiny little pouch. You know, it's like, okay, you're only going to be on screen for like six minutes. I need to make this count.
1: Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting the representation in this movie. I think just, you know, Raymond gets the, the big emotional standing up of, of, you know, don't, everybody makes fun of me because I'm fat. You know, I can. And then in, in the, uh, you know, in the final sequence, he also gets the little, because he's the one riding the bike to power those headlights. Right, right? yeah. Um, you know, and it's him sweating his ass off <laughs> in the back of that scene, but it's really good. Um, you know, and we get Arrieta being being a lesbian with, Unremitted love, but she still has fulfillment with Nadine, who is at best, you know, at, who is at least bisexual. We get the implication of uh, Jean-Loup uh, being gay, and none of those characters are killed, uh, right. which is refreshing too from a lot of like early uh, open representation of uh, of LGBTQ uh, you know identities in film, right? Uh,
0: well, and especially when you consider this is in fact a film about World War II, where yeah, like where,
1: where there are people who actively where it want to kill, actually makes more sense than your average yeah.
0: film. Like that someone right. would die. And they're like, no, we don't need <laughs> right. to have that <laughs> right. in here. We all understand that they're all. We we understand the risk involved here. Thank you very much. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so instead, the choice okay. is to kill off, like, just to just to like make sure the stakes are a little bit clear, is to kill off like the one dude that we meet a few times, you know what I mean? Like, it's like that we didn't bother to, to really spend a lot of time humanizing. we we'll kill off that <laughs> well, guy just to make sure that like somebody, you understand people will die here if we're, if, if you know, right. Uh, right, Bra- right. Like Bernard's like contact or whatever he is. His contact.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I also like how, how, how that's the scene where he's captured in the church is really interesting to me. Um, one because it's so blatantly obvious from the filmmaking of uh, that he and Bernard are like motioning to each other, except yeah. somehow the the Gestapo never noticed right, any of absolutely. those interactions. <laughs> it's very weird. Yeah, there's a lot but, of like
0: very much stage in that situation. A lot of like very much stage like uh, yeah. sort of work there, where it's like, like you know, where you're like, well, you're. there's what the audience. Like does he's and doing. What these characters know. Yeah. Because, like, also, like, the setup of that room is really weird in the sense that, like, I don't know, like, maybe I just don't understand what European churches are circa this time, but, like, people just running up the aisle to and fro past the choir practicing seems odd to me.
1: <laughs> I guess. Like, I don't know. I like, the, I like how the kids are singing some sort of God rescue Vicky France uh, yeah, yeah, hymn in <laughs> a weird there's one line from that song that I really love. Uh, that's "Have mercy, O God, if your hand chastises an ungrateful nation." Like, what? is that is that what is that what the uh, the church is framing the Nazi occupation as? I mean, as some sort of punishment for for France's excesses of the early 20th century, right? Because,
0: well, to be fair. Um... That was a I mean, very I, common framing technique for a lot of, like, what happened in, like, the Nazi era in general was a lot right, of, like... Right, right, right. I mean, there's a reason, like, <laughs> there's a lot of stuff about the excesses of the Weimar Republic that, like, plays right, right, into right, right, how right. the Nazis came to power, of being, like, this is a bunch of, you know, like, all That's this, fair. like, That's loose fair. behavior and stuff, You know what I mean? Like, it's... Yeah. So,
1: like... And, of course, it yeah. is... I mean, narratively, we get Bernard's contact being captured, and then that's when the inspectors show up at the theater. Right. Um, I mean, it's important. It's important that
0: you understand the narrative connections there, and so they are important. It's just that, like, he's the only character that we, like, I don't think maybe says, like, five words for the whole film. Like, you know what right, I mean? Like, right, right, right. He's, he's, well, he's... you know,
1: every time he's on screen, he's being discreet, too. Right, so, right. Like... But what
0: I mean is, like, he's demonstrably unimportant to the audience in terms of, like, character. Like, it, yeah. it, like they kill off the only person that, like, the audience wouldn't be, like, like, super upset about,
1: right? Yeah, But but it's also a character specifically designed to show how close death is absolutely no yeah and that's why it works is
0: it like it's like death is very close and also because you see it set off that series of events you understand that like all of these people are getting by and they all are very much at risk and also they are living on the knife's edge like all it takes is one person getting captured and the whole fucking like
1: house of cards just can fall down it's just, just, and it's close. not even, it's not even a guy who really knows anything, right? Right. But, like, but that's the as thing, far as, right?
0: and, and, but that's important, right, to what Truffaut is arguing, which is like, I mean, think about the anonymous letters, right? Like, right. The, right. The fucking murderers do not need actual real proof of anything. They just, right. they hardly need pretense, but they like to have it,
1: right? Right.
0: It makes them feel right. good. It's not about you. It's about them feeling good about the murder they're doing to have just that just that thin veil of pretense. Because, like, like, as you said, that guy doesn't know anything. That guy doesn't know jack shit about, like, that. The, like, he knows Bernard, presumably. But right. maybe doesn't because, like, I mean, obviously he does because they do hand signals. And my understanding is that, like, they shouldn't even probably even know each other. But, like, blind drops and all that jazz. But, like... My point being that, like, he knows Bernard, but, like, that's not much of a pretense to go ransack the theater that belongs, that Bernard is working at, right? But that's all they need, right? Like, they actually don't need anything, right? Because they don't actually need anything. Right, right, right. right. They, like, yeah, uh, so,
1: yeah. Well he isn't the the only character who dies in what we see because Daxia is said to have committed suicide in the postscript well, um,
0: doxia's story is really like i mean they they definitely go out on a limb to be like, we want to make sure that you understand this guy total piece of shit
1: like we already yeah, know that there from were the movie. that there were actual French people who were just bad <laughs> right, right 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 well, exactly,
0: and it's like some of these French people were also Nazis and bad yeah like it, it is one of those framing things where like Tro really wants you to not feel bad for him
1: at all yeah uh there is one interesting thing to sort of theme of the movie of uh of the valentine sequence that was cut uh and he's he's talking to Mar- marion about death um and, I mean, the whole thing's interesting because, you know, Marion runs into him in what we see. Marion runs into him in the lobby of her hotel. And she doesn't remember who he is, but he's dropped off this screenplay. And he seems really nonchalant about it, like, eh, you know, read it, read it, you don't. know. Um, and when he comes to visit her, she says, oh, I have the screenplay. I wanted to give it back to you because I, I can't do the role. And then he explains to her that it was a role written for her. Right. And why it happened and that... You know, he's facing this death. And what he says about death is interesting to that whole character dynamic too, and I think interesting to two themes of the movie. He says Death is a pile of empty clothes. And he thinks about what what those clothes are going to be done with after he dies. And you know, they might get some of them might get reused, some of them might get reworn, some of them might just be burned. You know, and it's it's him thinking about his legacy, right? And I, you know, it's just it's interesting to think about that in terms of what Truffaut is talking about with a period of French history that isn't really talked about, right? right? And the the uh, the ramifications and the the moving forward from you know from this time of death, yeah. You know, as we've already said, where where they are on a knife's edge, but but the whole country is on that knife's right. edge, and the whole country is dying in in a very real way. Uh, and how we deal with that death moving forward is some of the clothes get reused. A lot of them get burned. right? Some of them get sold, right? Uh, and, you know, you... In any of those instances, you just don't think about who was wearing them the right, last time right. you saw them being worn. Uh, no. And sometimes that's... Because you have no connection, and sometimes that's because you have too much of a connection. Right?
0: Yeah. Uh. Well, it's also interesting so think, to think no. of in terms of the fact that, like, while while Trevor is still by any measure still pretty young when he's making this film, you know, he's in he's in his late forties at the time. It is does also fit with a man just sort of getting a little bit. Uh, reflective right about life right. in general yeah. also like as a like you know he and of course it's a movie, movie about die, the obviously. nostalgia of his childhood
1: yeah right yeah that's very very particular is that he is making a movie about his memories of being a child so <laughs> yeah and I do like how the little boy sort of just exists in right in this movie too right uh, I mean, and I'm that's, still not entirely clear. Is that is that Marion's son? I have is no that, idea. I do not know I who really that have no belongs. idea. Yeah. Like,
0: and but that's I think like one of those things where like the movie's playing with that idea too of like there's just like especially in war, but like even in general in these kinds of environments, sometimes there's just children. Like, yeah, they don't really have to necessarily belong to somebody to do, still also just be children around, right? And, like, they 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 have – children have a very weird relationship with these sorts of things, right? Because, like, they don't – they shouldn't have to think about things and in many ways aren't capable of thinking about s- certain things, right? Because they don't – they can't fully grasp what's going on. Uh, right. And and the idea that, like, even in th- these absolutely terrible times, Trevose gets to reflect on the idea that, like, did he really fully understand – what the world was he was in
1: like yeah. he has memories uh, of it
0: but did he understand it because like this kid right may or may not
1: really understand the world he's in yeah uh someone is credited as the boy's mother and presumably oh, yeah, actually it, the the woman who insists on him washing his hair after right, the nazi right. soldier tussles it uh is probably his right
0: mom. but i don't know right. what her relationship to the rest of the movie is because i don't remember right. someone, seeing
1: her later and someone early on when the boy first walks on screen says that his mom works for the theater. Oh, okay. I didn't, everyone at the theater knows who she is, which is why I thought maybe it knows who the kid is, which I, why I mentally, I thought it might've been Marion, but also there's no like ramifications of, (laughs) Oh, we also have a kid. Um, Right. Right. In the Marion Lucas stuff. So, right. And that uh, you would expect
0: a lot of ramifications (laughs) of that. That's like, right, uh, right,
1: right, right, right. But, uh, but yeah it's, you know it's it's weird that his his mom and and even the boy's relationship to all that's going on is is really peripheral but also you know like trifo's drawing on his memories and certainly certainly this kid exists in a place where none of the adults in his life want him to know what's going on right, right? and
0: and <laughs> which makes sense right like you don't like absolutely 100% right. like it, 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 it you only want them to know like it's only because it's unavoidable, right? Like you don't really ever want them to know, but it might be unavoidable.
1: Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, (laughs) part of, part of all of this movie is adults looking back and finally knowing, right. And, and acknowledging and naming what happened, even, even as it is just a story about life. Right. Right. Life in hard times, but all times are hard in their own ways. Uh, But yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's. This is my favorite Truffaut film we've seen since 400 Blows. Me too. Absolutely. put it on par with 400 Blows. Yeah.
0: I I agree. They're very different uh, in a lot of ways. Yeah, obviously. But like, I mean, yes, I agree. And I think a lot of that has to do with like the top, the the subject matter. Like, I think that we, I like for some, because 400 Blows in its own way is also talking about, like, is talking about, like, in that it's much more engaged with the child, right? But, like, right. that's sort of, like, the world around you as as you grow up, right? And, and this is also, while the kid is not the main character, it is the world that was around the kid that was, you know, that, that Truffaut was trying to reminisce about, right? And that's right. really really interesting. I, it's way more interesting than Truffaut trying to analyze male female,
1: like relationship <laughs> right. patterns. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and maybe it is worrying that uh, when Truffaut is talking about children and putting his own experiences as a child, he's much better at making those compelling stories than if he's pro- <laughs> you know generally I'd say he's probably putting his own relationship. Oh no, issues for into sure too. But
0: the problem is, is apparently, based on... And we talked about this when we watched those movies. Truffaut has had some fucked up relationships, it would appear. Right. Like, And that's a problem, right? Because, like... And I think the issue is, is that in many ways, Truffaut assumes that, like... Truffaut makes an assumption, I think, which is, much like childhood, relationships are universal and can be understood by universally by the audience in a way in the same way that childhood can and 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 he might be right about his specific audience in the sense that like that those films were extremely popular i mean not maybe some of the later ones but the ones where he's analyzing relationships so for the time and the place he might be quite accurate about what the way that french people understood relationships at that time but it is not yeah. globally, universally Right, right, replicable. right, right, right. Whereas childhood in a lot of ways is in, in a different way because, like, yeah, all the circumstances of your childhood could be wildly different. But there's some sort of unifying factor of just being a child. Yeah. And the way you understand the world, like, the way you try to grasp the world around you. And what the difference being that like in 400 blows, we're talking about a child and their perspective on the world. Whereas in this, right. we're talking about the child that was true and like sort of this st- sort of strange, like hazy reminiscence. Right. And like, yeah, both of those are, comp- are totally comprehensible to an audience. I think almost any audience.
1: I also, you know, we haven't talked a lot about Lucas and we don't have a lot of more time we can dedicate to this episode, unfortunately, but, um, I really like the way Lucas is characterized. One, because he's, you know, he's obviously frustrated and scared. Uh, And, you know, he's, he talks about how the only thing he has to do while locked in the basement is experience trauma, period. Right. Right? You know, I'm reading the paper, I'm listening to the newspaper, even the crossword puzzles I'm doing, even the children's crossword puzzles I'm doing because I've already done the adult ones are Uh, or anti-Semitic and and betray that no one trusts me and everyone wants me dead. And he's in that room for 891 days, I think is the exact number. Right. And and he doesn't wait. Like D-Day happens, but he... Just can't wait anymore. Yeah. He cannot be in that room anymore. And... You know, and even in narrative before that postscript, we get him talking about maybe if I just go turn myself in, everything will be okay. And maybe, maybe it'll work out. Right. And, you know, Marion has to hit him over the head in order to stop him from freaking out in that moment. Um. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, he's, <laughs> when he finally gets out, he just like is staring at the sun as partisans are shooting each other all around him. right. Right. right? Um, and it's just this this fascinating look, and and you know I I can't help see things like that and not think about uh, Adith, the woman who was you know in my church right. for over a thousand days, who who had very in the end was was very similar. You know she she took the risk of of going in person to the ice office after uh, after uh, uh, Biden was sworn in uh, because she just she could not continue life how she was doing right uh you know and it's very you know (laughs) she she wasn't facing a summary execution if things went poorly but she is still facing right she was still facing very very bad consequences that could very well have ended in her death uh you know given the state of you know where she was born and where she would have been deported right i to, mean and, and, and in Joseph many ways
0: that, like that like it's sort of like uh what is it a distinction without a difference right like yeah it right. wouldn't be right. right like yeah it wouldn't be a summary execution in the way we understand the way nazis operated but like <laughs> i mean let's be serious here
1: right right and you know yeah you know, her life in even even best case if she were deported it would still be a separation from her home and from her family right. into a dangerous situation where she would largely have been alone with no no recourse but to come back. Come back home. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's that's, you know, the the vast majority and the vast majority of, of, you know, immigrants crossing the southern border. Uh I say vast majority, I'd say a, a, a at least over fifty percent from everything I've read. Uh, A majority of people coming over the southern border uh, illegally, uh, so to speak, are people who are not fleeing their home, but trying to get to their home because they were deported from the U.S. where they have lived for 10, 20, 40 years. Uh, Yeah, anyway, so... Yeah, it's just the, the Lucas stuff really really hit home for me on that end too. Yeah, uh, I, I thought and, I yeah. thought in
0: many ways when I was watching it, I was like, This is this film is going to be very, very impactful for Adam.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh so yeah, yeah. It's it's a great movie. It is just a wonderful, beautiful movie and I'm so glad to have gotten to watch it. Uh and I'm glad you liked it too. Yeah. Uh not that I expected you not to, but occasionally it happens. It does where, happen. Where I really I love mean, a movie and, and you it don't. it goes both ways.
0: But, Sometimes I expect you yeah. to... So, <laughs> right, it's right, rare right. that I expect you to like a movie that you don't like, but it does. that has happened before. But it's it more has, likely that I, yeah. I'm like, I hate this movie. And like, wait a minute, I don't like this movie. What's
1: going on here? <laughs> <laughs> hey, it, it's happened the other way. But it's happened true, both where ways. Where you've yeah. liked a movie. And, yeah, and, and, yeah and where you
0: were those. like, wait a minute, you like this movie, Pat? And I was like, yes, I Yeah.
1: Anyway, um, yeah, Truffaut, uh, in talking about the themes of this movie, says that it's not just about anti-Semitism, but intolerance in general. And certainly, you know, we get that in what we've already talked about with the gay characters, with, with Raymond's uh, being uh, denigrated for being overweight. Um, yeah, and it's just, you know, it. it's just a really, it's a great movie about humanity. It really is, and I love it. Uh, so yeah, I'm. Yeah, uh, so yeah. This week we've been talking about the Last Metro, uh, directed by Francois Truffaut from 1980. Next week we were talking about another Roberto Rossellini film. We just uh, had one recently, didn't we? Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. With uh, the Taking of Power by Louis the Fourteenth. Right, uh, yeah. uh, this is a, an actual Italian uh, Rossellini film, General della Rovere from 1959. So thank you so much for listening to Lost in Criterion. I am, as always, Adam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick Otar Dory. And we'll see you next time. Yep. Bye. See you next time. been Lost in Criterion. I'm your co-host Adam Glass. You can find me on Twitter at the Glass. My partner is John Patrick O'Hitari-Dorgan and you can find him at JPatrickDorgan. Check out more of the show at LostInCriterion.com or hey, give us a review on iTunes. It's nice. If you really like what you hear, consider supporting us at Patreon.com slash LostInCriterion. Hey, our theme music is by Jonathan Hape. Check him out at JonathanHape.com and thanks for listening. We appreciate it.